Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position. From its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Going well. Uh, my AC's broken, so uh, thank God no one can see this, but I'm doing the podcast shirtless. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it is just hot as... Hottest tits in here. Uh, so uh, I, I kind of look uh, like a man who's starting to lose his uh, grasp on reality, which isn't too far off from reality anyway. So uh, that's how I'm doing. How you doing, buddy? You look greasy. <laughs> and uh, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm very excited. Oh, I also though. got a zit on my nose. That's a tough combo, you know? <laughs> you I'm unkempt figure- as fuck. You got to figure that shit out, buddy. Um, I'm very excited, though, to introduce our guest for this podcast. Host of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, also part of the Blue Wire Network, is our friend TJ McBride. TJ, how's it going, man? I'm cold. Carter's melting, and it's snowing in Denver on September 8th. So we are in entirely different circumstances here. But yeah, could be worse, man. I'm not sweating drinking coffee indoors, so I'm happy about that. Was, well, I guess it was uh, Nuggets home game and that little cold stretch. Was that kind of what did it? The, the five minutes without <laughs> yeah, scoring a bucket? And it just rolled in over the Rockies the and overtook storm. the entire city. <laughs> <laughs> it just it, it just flew out of the Pepsi Center and, and that's what did it. Is it still the Pepsi Center? 
Yes, it is still the okay, Pepsi good, Center. Good, good, good. It's been a little while since I've been in Denver. <laughs> How's it going, man? Uh, how, how are you uh, experiencing this Nuggets playoff run? It uh, indoors a lot, and it's bizarre because you know I cover the team on the ground, so not being there for something that is such like a magnitude moment is mm-hmm. so bizarre for me, and I'm still trying to come to terms with that and trying to get my grasp on what's actually happening with this team. But yeah, it, it could be a lot worse. I'm in better situations than many, so I'm, I'm does, trying to stay blessed and just enjoy some basketball. Does this run feel a little more substantial than last year's run in your brain? Because I was just thinking so. about it that it this – Last year, from you know, from start to finish, felt like, oh, this is kind of cute, if nothing else, you know. Yeah. And then this 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 team does feel like a little bit more legit. What have been what's been your experience uh, in these playoffs? Well, c- contrasting the two, the Nuggets last year when they got into the playoffs, they had to jockey for position. They were the ones that were trying to get the correct seating to avoid the Houston Rockets in the first round. So when they played San Antonio, they actually got the way better matchup. And then they got Portland in the second round, which again is a matchup that is much better than you almost ever see in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. So in one view, going to two game sevens in your first playoff debut with your new young core all sounds nice, but there was a lot of a grain of salt to it. It was kind of a farce to come in and to actually battle with a Clippers team like this, because Utah is still good. There's not taking anything away from Utah, but they're still on that tier. They're on the Portland tier. They're on the San Antonio last year tier to go up you know, toe-to-toe with this Clippers team in now games one, two, and three, which of course game one blowout being notwithstanding, and really kind of showing where you sit amongst the NBA's elite that mm. shifted my perspective because we hadn't had a chance to see that we didn't know where Denver fit in that grand scheme of things and it's interesting because it, it does seem like and I can only go off my Twitter feed and the people I interact with but there's a lot of positivity even though the consensus seems to be they're probably not going to win the series they even in losses, it's, wow, you know, this team's really putting up a fight. I didn't think they had the guys, the bodies to throw at Kawhi Leonard, and they're doing about as good of a job as you could hope to do. Um, they're, they're really responding well. Like, they, they have cold droughts, and, and then they, they find a way to overcome that. And I, I think some of it is that this is a, a real organic feel with this Denver team. Like, we have seen them kind of go through different stages where none of these guys really came into the NBA that polished. Um, Jamal Murray, for example, had, a, I think, pr- a pretty objectively terrible rookie season with yeah. a few flashes. And it does seem like uh, with the way Jokic has played, with Jamal Murray looking like he's taking that next step, this feels like kind of a more traditional organic build uh, with the Nuggets. Does, does that kind of add to how connected you feel to this team? Maybe a little bit. I, I do find much because I didn't grow up a Nuggets fan. I grew up in Los Angeles. I did not grow up in Denver. So I watched this team develop from an analyst perspective. And I find myself rooting for them because of that. Because they did build all of this from the scratch. And honestly, I know you guys are going to hate this, but it was the same reason that I kind of had some respect for the Warriors in their progression up as well, is that they didn't just sell out to try and find the next best thing as fast as they could do so. To yeah, they waited them- a couple of years to do that. Yes, of course. But that was also the TV <laughs> Money and that was the whole reason yeah. all of that existed. If you remove the TV money from that scenario, Kevin Durant doesn't just waltz into an incredible team. Well, and you, you know, in all fairness, when we did our series on the 2016 finals, that was one of our big takeaways was, hey, looking at this 2016 Warriors team when you're not trying to figure out a way to beat them, there, there was something Pretty that- lovable. 
Yeah, it it was yeah. there's a connection to it, and it was they were the other half of that story. So I I totally yeah. get where you're coming from there. And and having that continuity, and like honestly being in the locker room with guys like Will Barton and Gary Harris have sh- have been locker by locker for five years now, and like seeing their relationship grow, like you find yourself kind of rooting for those guys because they have gone through so much together, and you don't normally see such a you know long standing roster that happens to work together like this for so long and to progressively get better. You know, mm-hmm. everyone says that progression isn't linear. For the Nuggets, it kind of has been if you look <laughs> at it over like a five year span. And that's really cool to see. Like those anomalies are enjoyable. So that's kind of been the exciting part. And again, like I don't think anybody came into this series expecting the Nuggets to win. Nobody started the season expecting them to beat the Lakers or the Clippers in the playoffs. This was all understood from game one until now. And that's something that makes it easier for a lot of fans to see the good things, to see Michael Porter Jr. going toe-to-toe with Kawhi Leonard and still being able to score, to see Jamal Murray having the balls to go at somebody at the rim like Kawhi Leonard despite the fact that a finger ended it anyway like those moments are more meaningful when you already know the outcome that is likely in this scenario and i also kind of no sorry i i also think that what's interesting with this particular nuggets run is now that we're seeing them you know find some successes and find some weak points against a, a pretty elite clippers team i know that uh i mean i i i, I do not hesitate to dog this clippers team but you know, they all, the talent level is really, really high, obviously. And I also feel like from a team building perspective, it does give you a lot of information. It's like, okay, where, what is separating us from the next level? You know, like, for example, like, I, I do think that Jamal Murray has a tough time in this kind of matchup. You, you do need someone like uh, uh, MPJ to step up as a wing scorer. Uh, because if you throw uh, Paul George at Murray, he's not ready to go kill that matchup over and over and over again. So I feel like a stress test like this is actually probably more informative to that front office than a seven-game series against Utah was. And that's exactly kind of the thought process of the Nuggets front office. When people were asking them, what defines a winning season for you? What defines progress for you back at, you know, media day even? That's what they always kind of said is, are we taking steps forward? They never put a number on it, never put a particular series or a particular number of games against a particular opponent. It was always, is this the next level? Are we seeing true progression? And your point speaks to that. They are, are able to walk in and adjust and show that that I think the simplest way to phrase it is they belong among these contenders when they are playing at their best level. They don't always play at their best level, and there's still a lot of different things to kind of overcome to get there, but they belong in that conversation suddenly. And people didn't know if they did, and understandably so. They only played Portland and San Antonio in the playoffs. They were still somewhat untested. And I think that's a really big part of this is that an untested team is at least hanging with the Clippers in the playoffs. And that makes you excited for the idea of Michael Porter Jr. with actual experience going into next season. And the idea of maybe Bull Bull being something and having a bunch of free agents on the team and the w- a ways to tinker with this roster that they haven't had before in the past five years. So it, again, it's another step. And that's been their whole thing is we don't skip steps. I don't know how many times I've heard Tim Connolly say that, but I wish I I had a nickel for every one of them. And he says it over and over again. And that's what they've been doing. And they've been sticking with it. And they're not going to deviate from that. And it's really been impressive seeing that. And and that's something that I really admire with this team. And I, I had tweeted out before kind of this second round was getting really underway. But it, it's funny to look across the, the final eight teams here. And 
you have the LA teams that were built through free agency. That's a unique advantage for them. Uh, but outside of that, um, it's pretty much all teams that were built with guys that were picked outside of the top five, outside of the top 10. It's been a lot of teams that uh, just say, you know what, we're always going to try to win. We're going to try to maximize whatever talent we have. And that talent may have a limited ceiling, but it'll allow us to make adjustments. It'll allow us to cash in and trade for a Jimmy Butler type. And Denver's a, a really interesting case because they had the opportunity for shortcuts. Like you look at Jamal Murray, his rookie season, nine points per game, shot 40% from the field and 33% from three. Well, right after that season, uh, the Cavs came calling. They, they wanted to trade Kyrie Irving for Jamal Murray, and, and the Nuggets weren't willing to include him in a deal. Um, and I know, I know a lot of people thought that was crazy at the time. I, I was a big believer in his flashes. I also had the Canadian bias just coming in. <laughs> yes. um, you but- should have seen him at the U16 uh international tournament listen he tore it up at point guard for that canadian national team i was all in i watched all the film you're not gonna find a canadian national team detractor over here in my corner all right absolutely absolutely and (laughs) and i'm trying to tell carter i'm trying to tell carter the same thing's happening with garland neither of them were right in their rookie i'm with you i love darius garland the the flashes were there carter the flashes were there (laughs) but uh tj because you come at this uh uh, from a more kind of analytical point of view, did you expect this type of play from both Murray and Jokic, who are kind of been the stars uh, for this Denver team? I have had to put my foot in my mouth when it comes to Jamal Murray, because I always knew he was good. It was never about like, the, is his floor high enough? Like the talent level has always been there. No one will ever say that he couldn't get by guys. The handle was rudimentary. He was not as athletic as he appeared. It took a full head of steam to get there. His defense was not there. He wasn't strong enough to defend multiple positions. He came into the league with way more red flags than it appeared with because of just how beautiful his jump shot is. Like I will be the first one to say when he shooting in practice or pregame there's nobody i've seen that can just like effortlessly hit 17 straight three-pointers around the arc but like that jamal's one of those kinds of people he has grown in every single area and i didn't anticipate it it would be so many steps in so many categories in such a quick time span but it's been somewhat sustainable and and that's something that i've had to just eat because he has become that guy his feel in the pick and roll has absolutely astounded me compared to where he was at this point last year well, not this point but the playoffs last year that it's 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 completely revolutionary for his game because it's allowed him to take on more of a scoring role because he's at least more of a threat in different places his how dynamic he is has shifted Nikola Jokic had numbers that only Oscar Robertson had last playoffs. so Nikola Jokic I expected this from but Jamal Murray taking this leap I did not see coming and it changed everything for Denver yeah, it's funny because I, I do feel like there was a bit of, at least, you know, this podcast is as much arguing with reality as we are with with Twitter. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like there was a I feel a like lot that's of, a uh, shot at me, Carter. No, we both do. We both, we argue <laughs> against like annoying takes on Twitter every every fucking podcast. Oh, no, I, I meant the, the uh, arguing with reality. Um, oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> that would be, a, that would have been a funny joke, but that's not what I was doing. Um <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I did feel like I saw some like, oh, we're going to see what Jokic is made of. And I almost like after last year's playoffs, to me, he at least on offense, he was a bit of a known quantity. It's like, OK, this guy, uh, this guy is good enough to to lead an efficient offense in the postseason. Like, 
because there because i remember heading into last year there was those discussions of like is this shit really gonna like work when people give a shit and it's like no actually if you can hit cutters at an elite level like that overplaying on defense is actually easier to get passes off than it would if they were playing in you know in a shell so I, I do. I completely agree that it was Murray that had a lot to prove uh, on this team. I, I maybe this is a bit pivoting off of this postseason, but I, I kind of just think the Clippers have their number. I think the talent's yeah. not there mm-hmm. uh, comparatively. But who's starting for this team next season? If, if you have your druthers. Wow. Um, I think okay. So I, I'm gonna try and be Michael Malone here because that's very different than what I would start. And it's give me be, both. Give me both. Okay. Okay. So Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are gonna be one and two if Gary Harris is healthy. He believes in Gary Harris. Full stop. I think then you get into the conundrum of do you keep starting Jeremy Grant at the three or do you then go pivot to Michael Porter Jr. to start next season? I think Michael Malone is very partial suddenly to Jeremy Grant because of how good it's looked in the playoffs that's going to carry over that's something that's going to be impactful on his decision making i'm starting michael porter jr at the three and jeremy grant at the four and nicole Jokic at the five alongside gary harris and jamal murray i think michael malone is going to start jeremy grant at the three paul Millsap at the four well Millsap's a free agent isn't he but this is one thing that i'm taking into account is that there's no market for backup power forwards like he's gonna get an mle and he loves denver and he has said he wants to win here and he believes they can so Mm -hmm. i I, if if from that point of view and i also tim Connolly adores paul Millsap. it'll take a team coming out of nowhere and throwing way bigger money at him than anybody expects for him to go away in my opinion Mm -hmm. so i think that he'll end up starting paul Millsap if he's here if not it'll be jeremy grant and michael porter will start but if paul Millsap is here i do anticipate he will still be in the starting lineup my God, that's the Knicks music. Um, <laughs> he's a power forward that they can overpay for one year. It could be and he's thing. just slightly older than he should be to be able to give him that kind of money. It fits so perfectly. <laughs> I, I, I'm here in two years, twenty-four million with the team option yes. on the second year. There yes. you go. I the thing that's fun about Denver is it doesn't seem like there's a ceiling on them just yet. Like in Jokic just turned 25, Murray's 23. Uh, you have the internal growth of Michael Porter Jr. to look forward to uh, when you're looking at this series, Will Barton, uh, him not being around. Like the, I feel like he would even help them uh, really extend this series cool. because there have been times where they just kind of need that one other ball handler. Cause you ice. Yeah. There's a lot of ranting I could do about the inclusion of Will Barton and how important that is. That is one thing that Denver Nuggets fans never see. And like Denver doesn't have another guy you can reverse the ball to. The Clippers are just selling out on Jamal Murray. They don't care. If Nikola Jokic <laughs> scores in the post, 18 times they probably win that game because Nikola Jokic is not creating and you're going to win the math game having Will Barton to swing it back over to hyper athletic to the rim able to hit 37% from three and just bigger than any other other guards to defend people would change everything about their complexion going forward you know what I you made me think of something. How is Denver reacting to this Nuggets run or are they is there any excitement at all or is it just Broncos talk 
so Denver, the town is all Broncos talk. Like this will always be the way there's a, there's a hierarchy here. It's Broncos. It's getting drunk at summertime at Rockies games, avalanche diehard fans. And then the nuggets fans who somehow still exist. Like it just (laughs) basketball town. It's so upsetting. Cause like, again, growing up in California, like basketball runs everything. Like there's no LA Kings fans. They're like dejected sharks fans who show up in LA to watch games. Like no one cares about anything other than basketball in LA. First time I ever visited LA, I was struck at how many casual NBA conversations happen. Everywhere. Like while you're in line at the store, you're just overhearing it. And I'm Getting like, in lifts at bro, the bar. I, am, I have never, ever overheard an NBA discussion in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and this is what I'm saying about Denver. Like, you won't get into a lift and they're like, how about that Nuggets win last night, huh? Like, that doesn't exist in Denver. Like, nobody cares about that. <laughs> so, like, this is also, like, to give a shout out to my guys at DNVR, they're, like, building a community and they got a bar to build it around so there actually are people who are making some inroads but but no this is not a hoops town this is not how that works and it just isn't among that ilk unfortunately well if anyone's tuning into this podcast because tj is here and you got love in your heart for more than one denver (laughs) sports team i've got a little bit of something for you guys because sunday sunday sundays are coming back in the nfl with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon from your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. You'll never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, even if it's Denver, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Justin, you've counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. Justin, little fun personal anecdote, and this isn't in the script. Uh, my credit card gives me free Dash Pass. I'm living the life <laughs> right now with DoorDash working from home. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivered drop-off setting. I got to say, guys, I hope we never go back. I love not interacting with my delivery driver. Oh, me, me too. I've got, a, I've got a little table outside my front door. They just leave it there. I get the notification. I walk out, and it's like it just teleported there. The suburb screen here is amazing. I just, it's just absolutely incredible. Suburb <laughs> season, baby. Uh, choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. Here's your call to action, guys. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. But who doesn't already have it at this stage of your life? That's $5 off your uh, your order and zero delivery fees in the first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter blue co- code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Carter, well done. Well done. A few well stumbles done. there. A few, few stumbles there. But I, I totally agree with you with the well, contact know, delivery. In our longstanding tradition of uh, picking at the copy, mm-hmm. um, there was a typo in this. Uh, oh, you, know, you hate to see that. I, I love the contact list so, delivery. It's so clutch, especially if you live in a place where uh, 
appetite stimulants are uh, legalized, uh, it, it really does come in yes. handy. So you don't have the, uh, the awkward interactions. <laughs> I will just say cheers and move on. <laughs> well, you live, one, you live somewhere the same way there, Teej. Uh, yes, I do. Oh, oh, my, I, hopefully Ohio gets there someday. <laughs> <laughs> mile high hoops man it works it, we, we thought about it long term let me tell you <laughs> how much of how fun Nikola Jokic is is kind of the effect that Steph has where this guy doesn't look like he should be as good as basketball as he is and like the fact that he actually is it just makes the whole experience so much more enjoyable for me because it, it, you just look at it and it's like, oh, how are they going to get a bucket? And then it's him doing like 40 spin moves and either <laughs> throwing a ridiculous pass or some little hook. Like the game-winning bucket he had on Gobert in the paint was so underrated. It was so, so difficult against such a good defender. That he, he's the real deal. It's incredible. Like I, I've watched him since his first summer league before he even came over to the Nuggets, and I just I, I will never get used to it. It's kind of like Steph, but Steph looks fluid doing everything. That's it, true. Like Nikola Jokic Steph's is at least look, a good-looking man. Well, there's that as well. As my guy Greg Vice says, he looks like Victor Crumb from uh, Harry Potter, the dude who played for the other <laughs> Quidditch team. But still, regardless of all of that, Nikola Jokic is herky jerky. Everything doesn't look like it should work like when Steph shoots the release is so beautiful it's so quick like I like every time it leaves his hands I feel like it's going in every time Nikola Jokic shoots I feel like it's absolutely not going in and it miraculously does every single time the only thing smooth about him is his body shape that's what it really comes down to and I I just love the matchup against Gobert because you (laughs) had the actual host virus versus the guy that looks like the host virus with his nose running every (laughs) single damn game Jokic is, uh, Jokic is like an optical illusion in a lot of ways. His <laughs> passes don't go the way you think they're going to go. His, he gets a step on guys through some trickery that does not make any sense to me, despite being one of the slowest footed, footed, footed dudes that you'll see. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a lot of fun. One thing I was thinking about uh, while Justin was just plowing through his ad read uh, was that uh, this Nuggets team is really interesting because – they're really one of the only up-and-coming teams that no one has any speculation about breaking up. And I do think that – and I was thinking about why, and I guess the theory I'd like to posit is that, one, they have Jokic, who is just their homegrown hero, that, you know, it just everyone kind of just assumes he's going to be there a while. And then, two, their second- and third-tier players are guys who aren't quite at that reputation level and didn't come in with the pedigree that, you know, like a Devin Booker came in at, mm-hmm. where they're going to be the target of speculation. It actually feels like a nice little formula for this core to stick around for a long time. And the other thing is, too, is that Tim Connolly has put a hard line, like, we're not trading Jamal, we're not trading Michael Porter. Like, I'm happy that you want to put Bradley Beal potentially on the table for us. That's cute. We're not moving Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. to get him. So what that does is when you have those trade discussions, you just hit a wall immediately. Because if you're Washington or if you're New Orleans with Drew Holiday and you call, you're not calling for Gary Harris and Will Barton with Mason Plumlee as trade filler and future picks. You're calling for Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. So I think a big reason why is kind of a causality of the fact that Denver doesn't want to get rid of their good guys and their good guys are the only people that other people really desperately want in these big star trades so it's a really weird conundrum that has not left the nuggets and i wonder if you're going to get into
into an impasse where you're going to have to move on from somebody at some point and you're not able to and you kind of get stuck in that Clippers things get stale despite how talented you are realm. But right now, that's where they're happy to be and that's where they're staying. Yeah, and another thing, um, I was listening to uh, Tim Connolly on uh, Sam Amick's uh, podcast and he was mentioning how the the stars are really low-key. Like none of them, Jokic isn't really comfortable with any sort of stardom or attention uh jamal murray doesn't advertise himself in that way and uh in in an age where there is so much access to guys um these guys aren't really putting themselves out there in that way and that might be part of the reason why they aren't as household names and not guys that you see in the nba rumor mill i i do think that that's kind of the, the right way to go though for him uh for denver because when you aren't a uh, glamour marker where, where guys are looking to sign you kind of have to have that reputation of okay we're going to have loyalty to our guys we're going to treat them well we develop players well it's a fun place it's a beautiful city like it, you're you're pitching other things and they're still at that point as i said before where there is so much potential for internal growth and maybe at some point you have to consolidate that talent but they're still kind of, as Carter said, stress testing. They're, they're figuring out what does and doesn't work. And I, I really think that that's a healthy way to, to grow a team. And uh, for the, the fans that are there in Denver, uh, it does help kind of foster a connection to the team. But it does get stale. Like, there's always that where there's just the same voices in the locker room all the time. I don't know if Denver's there. It doesn't seem like it yet. But this happens everywhere in basketball. Like, there's a reason that rosters don't stay together for 10 years. Like, it just isn't something that happens in sports. And I don't think that it's sustainable long term. Like, unless you're the Spurs, it doesn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what magical drink the Spurs have to make that work. But they're the only ones who are able to make that function. So I I think it might have just been, like, Duncan and... And that crew, like it's look, once they got a modern star in Kawhi and the quietest of all of them, that situation still still blew the hell up. Yes. And that's a a great point. And again, to your point, Nikola Jokic, like Denver media has always kind of had this like reserved joke that Nikola might just retire. Like I'm done with this NBA. I'm gonna go back to Serbia and play for Mega Vizura and hang out with my horses. Like that wouldn't surprise me in the least. But also, like you said, Denver needs somebody like that. The only reason Danilo Gallinari liked Denver was because in Italy he was treated like LeBron James and he was just trying to get away from people, and Denver worked perfectly for that because you're not famous here as a basketball player. Like I, it, it's very, very funny in that way. So you have to have a, a particular kind of star. And I think Denver has that in Jamal Murray that put my head down and work from Kitchener. He's not a big city. I'm going to be in New York, be the glamour kind of guy. And Gary Harris, the workhorse. And that kind of fits their mold of the blue collar. We're going to work our way to a title mold. But how far does that really get you in the NBA? The Nuggets are going to put it to the test. That's for sure. But I don't know how far that can get you. I really don't. I mean, that's where... I mean, MPJ is kind of everything for this team, and right? Brilliant by Tim Connolly to be able to have the team to swing at a guy like that. Because let's be honest, like his medical reports were that bad. Like yeah. that is undeniable, and he might not play next year because of a back injury. Which is by the way, why they, which is why they should flip him for Bradley Beal. And I'm not against that myself, but again, like the thought process is like, do you keep the potential transcendent six eleven super scorer, or do you potentially trade him on a whim that he might hurt his back when there's so many signs that point to it? But mm-hmm. the fact that Denver can make that decision, 
and have a guy like Bull Bull behind him is because of the work they already did, getting guys like Monte Morris and Tory Craig in Australia and PJ Dozier as a guy out of the G League who went undrafted. Like, that's what gives them the ability to do this. And I think setting a high bar, at least you know teams are going to come correct if they are going to offer a, yeah. a package for Michael Porter Jr. It's not going to be, okay, we have this assortment of role players that are a little more stable. And I, I, I'd be surprised if they wouldn't, accept any offer for these guys like everybody's available to some extent and the i i think the the thing people haven't discussed enough with this bubble is some teammates are really going to hate each other after this like they are spending way too much damn time with one another and they're also spending time with guys on other teams that they might like a little bit more like i like carter if I was forced to spend two months next to this dude away from my family and he was doing the same, I'm pretty sure we'd kill each other. Uh, so I, I, I really... I, I think that sounds really nice. That hurt my feelings. <laughs> we, we could go fishing in the pool and, you know, go golf, all that good stuff. You, yeah, you, apparently you know? that's torture to you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm looking at you shirtless, so maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's leading me to think you'd get a little too comfortable, a little too natural around me if we were bunk mates over there. Listen, I, uh, you know, that's the greatest compliment I can give. Uh, <laughs> I feel safe around you boys. <laughs> Good This Lord. is the first time I've been on a podcast with Carter, and this is the way he already feels about me, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, look he gets at how too comfortable. I am in the Chase Down Pod community. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> Happy to have you here. <laughs> um, uh, TJ, while we're on the subject of what the ceiling is for internal growth, do you, do you think kind of Murray and Michael Porter Jr. have enough of a next gear to get them over the top? Or do you think the inevitable conclusion is going to be that they'll have to consolidate some talent and, and pursue someone either in free agency or on the trade market? I didn't think Murray had that ceiling before. I I have let go of what I assume Jamal Murray's ceiling is. I think it is much higher than I have been able to grasp at this point. And I think if his three-point shot gets to the point that it has been in the playoffs, everything's on the table. So I I think Jamal Murray does. I think it might not be as high of a chance in terms of superstar potential as Michael Porter, just because of the size difference, the mismatch nightmare that you present being 6'11 with that kind of skill set. But I do think Jamal Murray has like regular all-star potential. I don't know if he'll ever get there. That's a lot to ask of anybody, especially at the point guard position, but we've seen it now. Like we've seen the blueprint and we had not seen that prior to that Utah series. And now even what he's on a little bit against the Clippers. So I do think they have that gear now, but, but they're again, how fragile is that hope? Because Michael Porter Jr. is a back injury away from your big three being non-existent. Yeah. Like that's the worry that you have here. And Jamal Murray, for as much of a warrior as that dude is, and I, no one could ever question his toughness, he has rolled his ankle 72 times, it feels like. And like you have to have concerns about people who fight through injury that much. And mm-hmm. like you wonder how their body holds up. So there's always those questions. But in terms of just if things all break right, they have the talent level now to make that happen. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It's... I'm I'm rooting for them. I mean, a big part of why I'm rooting for them is I root for any team that 
the outcome of a series will push NBA discourse into a more positive direction. And I just hate everything the Clippers stand for. They're a team of mercenaries. All of them are great individual talents, but they don't really mesh together. They don't look like they like each other. I, even though I think Toronto fans needed a humbling and it looks like they're about to get one, um, they, you shouldn't lose a star after you win the title, like immediately after it just rubs me the wrong way. Speaking of the other series though, what, what uh, of the other matchups, which, which one do you find the most interesting in, in the result? Is it Miami upsetting the Bucks? I want to say Miami, but I came into this looking at the Celtics as the dark horse because they have the wings and they have the makeup to make something seriously interesting happen. And watching it grow in the way that it has without Tatum just like ascending to an unguardable level. Like it's been everything that has worked together for that team, which is of course the Brad Stevens thing. Like if there's one superstar, he just can't figure anything out anymore. But the fact that they're all working together Uh, There is a makeup of a super wing team that maybe we haven't seen a whole lot of, and that really interests me. But the Heat, Bam Adebayo is one of my favorite, like just, I don't know what it is about him. Everything works. He looks yeah. comfortable doing everything. And like my whole thing is like there's impact and there's the ability to produce. He has now checked off both boxes and that just doesn't happen very often for bigs who do so many different things. Like him, Demonis Sabonis and Nikola Jokic are really like, and, and probably Carl Anthony Towns are the only offensively capable centers in that realm. And the fact that he's already kind of gotten to that place that he can do it against a Bucks team that has been elite defensively is really, really impressive. Like he had eight assist the other night i don't know what he has right now but when you're able to do that i i am so impressed by that group of by that, that group of guys and jimmy butler hitting threes all of a sudden like i don't know how <laughs> that is but it's also fun to watch so i've enjoyed those two teams yeah i That's- mean when jimmy's hitting threes he's looking like kevin porter jr out there sorry Carter, i didn't mean to cut you off <laughs> you're so obnoxious thank you yeah it's funny i the heat are this weird mix of players I love and then players I just hate and then a front office I do not care for. I, <laughs> I feel like this East playoffs has really been like tough. It's the anti-Schadenfreude series. It's just pain on my end. Here, got, here's the thing. I've got Some, Danny so- Ainge thriving. I've got Pat Riley. Th- I got Jay Crowder thriving. <laughs> here's the thing, Carter. Come on. The heat culture thing is incredibly obnoxious, but – I have to recognize that if I was a Heat fan, I would be so obnoxious with that and riding that joke the same way I rode the flip the switch with the Cavs. Because that was so funny because it pissed so many people off. And when you find that thing that just gets under people's skin just enough, you ride the hell out of that. Well, boy, does it work because I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm personally, I'm kind of confronting the reality that there is probably a legitimate chance that the Celtics win the title this season. Like, I I think that they can do a better version of what OKC um, had Mm -hmm. done in the previous round. I, I think that they, they have the the length to, to disrupt the Clippers, to disrupt the Lakers. And, and if Hayward's back in the mix, which it sounds like he's returning the bubble here, they could be really, really dangerous. And that's that's not something that's good for any of us. Any of us that have spoken out against I just want to see Kemba win. Kemba deserves to win. The roster is so, the roster is so likable outside of Hayward. And that's, I agree. that's part yes. of my problem. Like, I, I really enjoy that team. You know what's really funny? Like, my, my, my love of this team has coincided with him not being in the bubble. Like, I don't think that's entirely coincidental. <laughs> Yeah, here's the, here's the thing with both these teams, though. Both Miami and Boston is 
and and we've seen it especially in the two Toronto wins is that the floor can fall out for both these teams yeah, yeah. in a very serious way because they both ask mediocre to slightly below average three pointers to shoot a lot a lot of volume threes and if Jay Crowder remembers he's Jay Crowder in the third round that whole offense looks really different right um if Jalen Brown goes ice cold in a game four uh then the Celtics all of a sudden look really cramped uh so I do think they're both it's funny because both of them I think people would probably describe as really steady contributing teams because of their their culture and how hard they play but I think offensively both of them can kind of die on you relatively quickly and that's the biggest difference between honestly the Clippers and every other contender at this point I was well, just I about to say because everybody Clippers, has this like volatile factor yeah, like this is Clippers not can a get a bucket thing. whenever they want yes always yeah and if Kawhi they don't Leonard get a bucket they get a terminator foul. <laughs> the, like, the thing I hate about it, though, is that it's not like they have someone that creates those shots. Like, it's always no. kind of isolation. It's all yes. individual talents. Which Well, that's it, been this series. It's here's three bodies and Kawhi Leonard still scoring. Like, that has been the Nuggets versus Clippers series schematically, no matter yeah. what they do. And it worked in game two because they, he missed just enough, and he happened to miss shots that he usually makes against three defenders. But that, that's the only difference. They're just out-talenting Denver right now. Yeah, that, that I just was feel like so... everyone else. Everyone else is so dependent right now on on role players to hit threes. You know, the Lakers probably can't win the title if Danny Green plays like shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that, that was that was probably the worst Kawhi game since like the start of the twenty fourteen final. It was the first so. time he had no blow by since his rookie season. It, it, man, it, it was just so <laughs> yeah. it was so weird to see thirteen points next to him because he, he's such a steady scorer, and that's it. Just reminded me of that uh, Gadala, uh Finals MVP. <laughs> he won averaging fourteen points a game. <laughs> I got no words. I'm just gonna laugh and move on. Just do I, your thing. <laughs> I, I like I like to hate on him just a little bit. Uh, he's the but, mole in Denver, so Denver fans are loving you right now. Okay, well there there you go. Um, do, what is your feel on the Lakers Rockets series? Do do you think uh, do you think the Lakers have kind of figured it out, or you think this is going to go seven with neither team looking good ever? The Rockets decided to go all in on being one dimensional. When you do that, you become predictable in some ways. And that's what happened in this series, in my opinion. So for me, I've written this series pretty much to a Lakers victory. Um, James Harden is James Harden. So crazy shit can happen. And I'm not going to argue against that. But in terms of what fits on paper, this is a Lakers series that is pretty much sealed and set for me. Um, we'll have to just see if there are some just out of this world performances. That's really how I look at this at this point. I don't know if I'm that far down that road. I think really? the Rockets absolutely can win this series. Because, um, I mean, the biggest difference in the series, I mean, it's a 2-0 series. If Russ, if D'Antoni just gets the stones to bench Russ, um, he actively killed them that whole game. I do think the Lakers figured some stuff out. I think they figured out that um, LeBron, Markeith, Davis lineup is the way to beat the Rockets. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's the only lineup – configuration where you play big you play physical um but you're not slow as shit out there i wonder if mcgee getting hurt there is kind of like when david lee got hurt for the warriors where and it, it just, just clicked of, yeah just <laughs> everything was figured out moving the puzzle piece finish the puzzle kind of thing yeah, yeah for <laughs> it's sure funny. it's funny dwight should be good in this series but he just can't not foul he hacks yeah. so much and like that's like the that's you know makes you enemy number one in a, in a Rockets uh, series. So I, I, I just think that they figured something out with Marquise. Yeah, he shot really, really well. But I also thought, like, they just – they kind of shut the Rockets' water off a little bit 
when they were able to play him out there. The one thing though about Russ is that they don't have enough rebounding without him. Like they, that's the, they don't have the ability to keep the Lakers off the glass at all without him. And that's insane to say that the margin of error is literally Russell Westbrook rebounding for you, which is disastrous in its own right. But yeah. that you, you do, you needed him on the glass. And yeah, so that, that's the biggest thing for me is that you play him and you lose, you don't play him and you lose. It's the Russell Westbrook conundrum for the past six seasons. And yeah. this is still where they're at. Yeah, I think yeah, you got to ride it. I, I, Carter, I enjoyed you trying to cut TJ off and yawning <laughs> at your own take. You couldn't even get it out of your mouth. You bored yourself. I just yawn during podcasts. Everyone knows this. <laughs> this is all just Justin being so boring for Carter at this point because they've been potting together for so long that yeah, he's a fucking old married couple. He and and he, he thinks we'd survive the me. bubble. He thinks we'd survive the damn bubble. Well, um, I, 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 I I'm with I you did before t- today. <laughs> I, I'm with you though. I, I think they do have to ride us. Like I, I just think th- you're all in on what you got. You mm-hmm. kind of have to live and die by that sword. Maybe, maybe you kind of bench them towards the end of the game if it's truly just one of those rest games. Um, but it's it's one of those series where I'm like, they have the three point shooting to create crazy variance and win any series. I just don't think they can win four series. But at the same time, I feel like if they're not blowing them out in games, if the games are close, if this series goes seven, the worse Harden gets, the worse Westbrook gets, the longer the series goes, they're going to fall apart. So I I think they they have to come out and win these next two games if they're really going to have a shot at it. Um, But I, I just... I'm not impressed with the Lakers. Um, I'm not impressed with the Clippers. Obviously, I'm not impressed with the Bucs. I, I just think the, the layoff really threw off some of these teams. And um, it's it's a testament to the talent where the lower seeds now, um, they have so much talent that when those top-level teams don't have the same continuity and they aren't as sharp, that opens the door for longer, more competitive series. We were talking about how to build teams to start this podcast in like a very you know abstract sense. My biggest takeaway is that the NBA has more smart people running front offices than they have had in a really, really long time. And it's allowed for these kinds of teams to exist that were built, you know, pick 10 and above in the draft because they know what to identify. They know what their culture exists as and they know what they're looking for and they're intelligent enough to pursue it in a way that is productive. That has not been something that has been consistent across the majority of teams in the NBA in a long time and we have that in the NBA right now and it's made for just better overall basketball the floor is just higher I think yeah and and I think there's also more talent coming into the league yes like I I think the drafts are getting deeper like this draft sucks ass because there's there's no superstar talent at the but top there's a lot of role but, players that'll help there's you're going to get starters in the 20s like it, it's yeah. it's very deep in that yeah. aspect and that's part of why I've kind of pivoted from being frustrated with the new lottery odds when it comes to the Cavs and team building to okay you know what let's maximize the talent you have try to win maybe you get some lottery luck along the way but um, the, the same thing we were talking about before when it comes to stress testing and figuring out what the strengths and weaknesses are. If you're just saying, fuck it, we'll, we'll just, you, you guys go out there, you play, we'll lose some games. And then at some point we're going to flip the switch and we're going to try to start winning again. I, I think you it saw with happen. Philadelphia, it doesn't work. You, I, I think you have to try to win all the time and maximize whatever talent you have. Don't when, when you're a young team, don't necessarily make win now moves where you're signing a, a guy that's really able to contribute 
and, and kind of raise your floor, but you can get veterans in there and, and guys that are going to lead them on the right path. And I think Denver has done a great job balancing young players with established players that, that can help show them the way. And um, getting Michael Malone as a head coach is a huge part yeah. of that too. He's, he's definitely a leader in that locker room. Well, Denver was losing games. Like, Brian Shaw era was one, two, three, Cancun, breaking down puddles. Like, it was disastrous in terms of what was going on. You had the Arnovitz article calling the Nuggets a basically a joke of a franchise. Michael Malone had to just tear it apart and rebuild it. But to your credit, without guys like Darrell Arthur, Jameer Nelson, Richard Jefferson, like, those are the vets that came in and established something different. They showed them a way to, like, actually be able to work towards winning, even if the franchise is still working towards rebuilding and they found that middle ground which is so incredibly difficult but Michael Malone was the head of all of it like people don't give him enough credit for all he's done for this team and his quote about Gary Harris before the game last night where he went into great detail about he is not going to abandon guys he is going to stick with them when you have that kind of faith in a coach then you can buy in despite the fact that you may have only won 30 games the year before and the roster isn't that different and that's what they were able to do and you don't find that very often in the NBA and head coaches. Well, I really, really do appreciate you coming on here, man. This, this has been awesome. This has been so much fun. And you know what? It's, I, I think, I think you would have sold some people on Denver. Like I'm, I'm already in on this, but I, I just think that there's so many reasons to like what they're building and what they represent as a team. Um, it's, it's a really, really great story. And I, I hope they can, they can extend the series. As I said to a lot of listeners out in the front end, Make sure you're checking out Rocky Mountain Hoops. Do you, do you got anything else you want to plug before I wrap this thing up, TJ? No, don't follow my Twitter. It's just pure chaos and unfiltered insanity. So just go look at Mile High Sports and Rocky Mountain Hoops instead so you can see all the professional version of me, not me just screaming curse words into the abyss of Twitter. Go go follow him on TJ McBride at NBA. <laughs> <laughs> go, go yell at him. Don't just pollute my mentions. Go pollute his. Go pollute well. Carter's message. Don't, we don't need any of it over here. Just go all to Carter. <laughs> At well, Carter underscore shade, I believe is what it is off the top of my head. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming on. And for our listeners, if you appreciate TJ and all the, the good stuff he brought today, go support him. Support him the same way that you support us, which is leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of our exclusive Chase Down Discord chat, you can send us a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. Big thanks to TJ. Thanks to all our sponsors. Thanks to Carter. Stay safe out there. And until next time. Go Cats. Thanks. What's up, guys? I am back just like pro sports. We got a bonus ad read here for our exclusive partners at Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bets, all available 24 7. 
And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Ory. See what they have to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. 